Welcome back, crime fanatics. I'm Steph. And this is Kat. And today is a mini. Um, but first, let's back up. Happy fucking Thanksgiving, guys. Happy Turkey Day, y'all. Eat some food. Um, hopefully listen to us when your relatives are being annoying and you want to sit in the corner with your earphones. Earphones. Yeah. Earbuds. Or during like that I time when you're drinking heavily and rocking in the corner. <laughs> Um, so this is a mini, um, it's a Thanksgiving bonus, but I don't have any stories for you today. This, so basically this is a cat mini. So I am going to give it off to her. Okay. So first things first, um, I was dying the other day. I saw this, um, news story about a dog. Did you, you probably saw this. So in Florida, there was someone who left their car running on the driveway and their dog hopped in the car, kicked it in reverse and drove in circles for an hour. Like the police were called (laughs) to help. The police sat and watched this dog do donuts (laughs) in the car, like at slow speeds, obviously until finally they smashed a neighbor's mailbox. And, um, finally like, the car slowed down after it hit a couple things. <laughs> but so this was like less than a week ago. And then today, so that was in Florida and that was like a bigger dog. So then today I see another one pop up. This one's in Louisiana where somebody left their freaking car running again and their chihuahua was in the car when they were at a gas station and the chihuahua got the car in reverse. How? I know. How the fuck does a chihuahua get a um, in reverse? I have no idea. I have no idea how that's even possible, especially because they weigh like, what, three pounds soaking wet. Yeah. So how? And don't you have to push the brake in order to move the. So how? (laughs) I I don't know. So the SUV rolled backwards. It crossed four lanes of traffic before it like basically ran into another gas station across the street. Oh my like, God. Guys, come on. <laughs> <laughs> I have auto start. So if my car's running, the keys are not in it. And like, if you were to do anything, it would just turn off. I feel like y'all need to get some of that. And I know that I have it because it's cold here. So we do it so we can warm up our car. And maybe in Florida and Louisiana, you don't necessarily need that. But if y'all are going to have your dogs in your running car, maybe get some auto start. Or even if you get like the aftermarket remote start. Um, oh. you yeah, that's auto, what I have. You call it auto start? Yeah, what do you call it? A remote start. Oh, well, whatever. <laughs> I, I was just like, wait a minute. What is she calling this? <laughs> yeah, same, it's the same thing. I know. I've just never, never heard it said that way before. That's, I'm going to start using that. <laughs> Whatever. Copycat. <laughs> I know. <laughs> okay. So then there was this other story I saw today that was just making me crack up. So someone broke into this old granny's house, an 82 year old grandma. Okay. So picture somebody breaking into a house. There's an old ass, badass lady. Apparently, this 82-year-old works out religiously and is a, like, well-known bodybuilder 
at 82 years old. I saw so, this. <laughs> so as, well, first, so the, the guy first started banging on her door and telling her, like, he needed help or something along those lines. So then she refused to open the door. Good on her. She's got some brains and some muscles, apparently. So she calls the police, and um, then he starts trying to break through her front door. So as he's, like, breaking into her house, she starts beating him with her table. And then, like, the table <laughs> broke. The table broke on him. So now she's using the table legs to beat him with. She goes and gets, like, some soap from by the sink, and she, like, poured it in his eyes, and she's just, like, kicking the shit out of this guy. And then she ended up, um, like, trying to drag him by the head out of the house. <laughs> <laughs> and she's crazy in the most amazing, absolutely amazing way, I hope, at 82 years old, that I could beat somebody's ass like that. Like, this is just the best most amazing story. Anyways, she was not harmed, and I think they, they actually took him away in an ambulance because she really did a number on him. So good on you, Murphy. Had they? Uh, what's her name? Willie. Willie Murphy. <laughs> that's actually the most perfect name for a bodybuilding grandma. So right. Yeah. So I had so, to share that story. <laughs> oh my god. So hold on a second. Um, so the episode you did, I, I'm drawing a blank on her name. She, um, the lesbians, the girl that was like the badass. Oh, uh, Christine Chapa is the yes, amazing yes. So I wonder if if Willie Willie right? Yes. I wonder if they're related because they should be fucking related. Well, there's lots of badass women in this world. Now she, um, Willie. Is a woman of color in New York, Rochester, New York. So probably not, but you and, never know. I mean, stranger things have happened. No, they should just form like a badass girl club. Right. So. I could get on board with that. For sure. Yeah, they're both. Yeah. I wish you have to see like when they're. So people look up Willie Murphy and the story because when they interview her, she like shows her guns. <laughs> I saw that picture. Freaking like solid muscle for an 82 year old grandma, man. She, her arms, I wouldn't mess with her. Her arms look better than Mich- Michelle Obama's. <laughs> <laughs> she definitely gives her a run for her money. That's for sure. <laughs> that is for sure. All right. So getting down to business here. Um, there, the story that we're going to do today, actually Steph sent this one to me, um, and then I made her focus solely on Ed Kemper, so I kind of ended up doing the deep dive on this one. And this is a, it's good and bad. Like some of some of it is based on the survivors of the story. So. Recently, survivors from a 2009 Thanksgiving Day massacre opened about their, up about their lives after the tragedy. But what happened on that night? It was a decade ago, Thanksgiving. This Thanksgiving, it'll be a decade. So Miami attorney Patrick Knight and his wife Lisa were a beautiful, happy couple with a bright future. He was a successful attorney. And Lisa was pregnant with their first child. 
the pair were spending the holiday at the family's house, at her, her family's house. And the Thanksgiving dinner was held at Lisa's cousin Muriel and her husband Jim Sitton's house. Sitton was a um, pretty well-known photog- uh, photographic journalist down in Miami. And uh, the Sittons were a couple in their 40s who had just one single daughter named Michaela, who they doted on having had her later in life. They pretty much just enjoyed every moment with her. And after dinner, yeah, so I mean, you should, I feel like sometimes you calm down as you get older. So younger parents don't necessarily like are more in like the chaos of it. And I feel like sometimes when you're an older parent, you're able to sit back and kind of like take in the, time a little more maybe not but that's kind of how when they I saw an interview with Muriel which is the uh, Michaela's mom and that's kind of how she described it like she just was grateful to be able to have had a child in her later age and so she really took it all in um so after dinner the family sat around listening to six-year-old Michaela as she sang for them she played the piano. I think her mom actually is the one who taught her the piano. And the family just delighted in her talent. Now, there had been some strife within the family in years prior. Patrick, his brother-in-law, Paul. So Patrick's married to Lisa. His brother-in-law, Paul, Lisa's brother, uh, Paul Marriage. He tended to clash with his sisters, Lisa and Carla. Lisa and Carla were his uh, two years younger, I believe, twin sisters. So he's 35, they're both 33. Um, so much so that one of the sisters had even had a restraining order against him years before as he threatened violence. Um, I think it was three years before this actually happened. He was jealous of his sisters. They seemed to get attention from their parents as both were talented singers, which is, I think, plays a part into later on kind of with some things that happen and the family having just listened to Michaela singing after dinner. Um, so it seems like musical talent runs in this family. In recent years, Paul had sort of become a recluse and was estranged from the family. I mean, but on go, the, go fucking yeah. figure. Well, yeah. So, well, so before I go any further, I actually did some research into uh, well, I read on Murderpedia about him, which I was kind of surprised he was on Murderpedia. So this is a bigger one than I had thought. Um, and people from high school, when he was like 17, when he graduated high school, he had gone to a prep school and they were all like, he was so nice. He was so smart. He was like on a good track. But when he was 19, he had a nervous breakdown. So when he was graduating high school, there they each... Each um, senior had like a page in their yearbook that they wrote about and where everybody's like joking and like talking about high school type things. His page was basically dedicated to his family and how much he loved them. And there was actually a quote that was something along the lines of like, love you forever. And then when he turned 19, which we know sometimes around college age is when mental illness seems to rear its head the most often. And he had like a nervous breakdown in night when he was 19 years old. Now he's 35. It's been many years. There's been a lot of things that have happened. And I think it's just been this building throughout the years. But on Thanksgiving in 2009, everything seemed to be calm. 
Paul showed up late, just before dessert time. Muriel and Jim Sitton, the hosts of the holiday, were unaware that he was even invited by his parents until he showed up, which they were not thrilled with his presence, with his past in the last few years. Um, I mean, I wouldn't really be either. But as hosts, they were gracious and were polite. Though Sittens, the, um, sorry, though the Sittens weren't thrilled that Paul was there, Paul seemed fine through the night and showed no signs that he, of what was to come. Jim and Muriel had put their daughter to bed as the night was winding down. And just as Patrick and Lisa were getting ready to leave, Patrick remembers saying his goodbyes. And as he went to shake Paul's hand, Paul said to him, oh, why don't you stay a while longer? Shut the fuck up. Why don't you stay a little longer? Sure, let me invite you back into my fucking house. Well, it's not Paul's house. It's Paul's cousin Muriel and Jim's house. But he said that because that's literally the exact moment that all hell broke loose. As he said that to Patrick, who's Lisa, his Paul's twin sister's husband, Patrick, he recalls feeling like he was hit in the stomach, but he'd been shot. So Pat, Paul shot Patrick first in the stomach, and now he's lying on the living room floor. Paul went and shot his aunt, which I'm going to butcher this name and I apologize, but I have never seen this for a female's name. Um, his aunt, Ram- Raymondi? I like would Ray- say Raymond. With an E, Raymond. I know yeah. Raymond is a family name in my personal family. So when you put an E at the end of it, I, it, I like automatically want to say Raymond, Raymond, Raymond E, but it's, I'm sure it's probably Raymond. I don't know. Anyways, Raymond Joseph. He shot her in the shoulder and her husband immediately tried to help her as you would if your spouse was shot in the shoulder. And as he tried to stop the bleeding, Paul walked up and shot her again, fatally in the chest. Paul, yeah, he tried to shoot his uncle, but he didn't get him. He did end up shooting um, and killing both of his twin sisters, Lisa and Carla. And at some point during this horrific rampage, Patrick recalls Paul saying that he had been waiting 20 years to do this. This Such a sad life. I mean, mental health is not a joke. And if you have someone in your life that needs help, try your best not to ignore it and to get them the help that they need because it's a sad reality. Like, this is terrible. And unfortunately, it gets a lot worse. Mm. So, in the chaos, family members went running to escape, including the homeowners, Muriel and Jim. Now, remember, Muriel and Jim have a six-year-old daughter, Michaela, they had put her down to sleep already in her room. But as they escaped the only way they could, Jim found his way, so they escaped out the front door. And as soon as they went outside, they obviously wanted to get to their daughter as well. So he went to Michaela's bedroom window. Are you okay over there? (laughs) Yeah, sorry. (laughs) I'm good. Um, He went over to... Um, Michaela's bedroom window where she slept and tried to get her out of the house. He tried everything he could to break into her window in her room, 
but they lived in Miami, so her window was hurricane glass. And Jim said he just basically bounced off the window like a bug. It was impenetrable. Then he saw flashing lights and heard gunshots as Paul entered Michaela's room, where she slept and shot her in her bed. As Patrick Knight, remember, he's the one that was shot in the stomach. He's laying on the living room floor wounded, and he witnessed as Paul walked to Michaela's room. He went down the hall, and his gun actually jammed twice. And his parents were in the in inside still, or at least his father was, and did nothing to stop him. He never attacked him. Like, I would think if you have, I don't know, I just can't imagine my own father. If someone was in our house shooting, I, I would imagine, well, he's also a hot-headed Italian, but I can't imagine him not attacking that person, gun or no gun. So, yeah, I feel, yeah, so I feel like there was a missed opportunity here where somebody could have done something possibly because his gun jammed twice as he walked down the hallway towards Michaela's room. But he was able to get it fixed, and he entered the sleeping six-year-old's room. Patrick heard him shoot her once before leaving. But as he stepped out of the room, he seemed to have a second thought. And instead of leaving, Paul turned around, went back into Michaela's room, and shot her two more times. But why? Just because. Why? Well, she did not survive her injuries, obviously, and I think that's why. I think he thought he'd only shot her once, that she probably would survive or could survive, and he wanted to make sure that she wouldn't. And I think, honestly, so the family having been sitting around and kind of doting on this little girl, I feel like it just basically brought him back to his feelings about his sisters as well, even though... This little girl had nothing to do with any of that resentment that he felt towards his sisters, but just her having the same attention that his sisters had had, I feel like it brought his rage toward her too. Does that make sense? Yeah, I can agree with that. So at least that's, that's where my head went. Anyways, so after shooting, um, Paul Marriage, um, left and went on the run. He managed to elude police for weeks. He used a fake name and he was laying low in the Florida Keys. Must be nice. Wait, uh, wait, time out. So, what kind of mental illness did he have? Um, so he had OCD and, oh my gosh, what's the other? He definitely had OCD and they said some, uh, like, Chronic, that's the word I'm looking for, chronic depression. And basically, so he would feel something and then because like the OCD basically just enhances everything and you have this little thing and it becomes bigger and it goes away and then it becomes bigger and then he's depressed on top of things. Like it's just a bad cocktail. And then on top of it, he was medicated, but he stopped taking his medication, which is so important, you guys. If you have, there's nothing wrong with having mental health issues. It's a disease. It's, it's something that just like if you had diabetes, you would take your insulin. And if you have mental health issues, there's nothing wrong with taking your medicine if it helps you. So please take your medicine, guys. Yeah, there's like, no shame in it. 
Absolutely not. But so he stopped taking his medicine on, on top of all the things going on, you know. So here we are. And um, so he eluded the police. He was on the run for five weeks. Now, before the shooting, Paul had planned a lot. He purchased like four different guns and spent $2,000 on guns and ammunition. And shortly before the shooting, like days before, he took $12,000 out of the bank, which I guess my first thought is like, so he was being supported by his parents. How do you have 12 grand in the bank is really what I, my, a big question I have here, but that's completely sidebar. Yeah, that doesn't make any sense. I don't have $12,000 in the bank that I could just take out and go on the run. If I did, I'd probably be in the Florida Keys myself right now. (laughs) So he was living off of that. He was using a fake name. He's chilling out in Florida Keys. Meanwhile, Patrick Knight was left in a pretty, pretty bad state. He had lost a kidney and was battling infections the doctors gave him just a 1% chance of survival and they put him in an induced coma to kind of fight off the infections and help him heal a little bit. In the course of just 15 minutes, this poor guy had lost his wife, his unborn child, and he was fighting for his own life. So it took five weeks and then the police were able to track down Paul marriage in Florida Keys, and despite his history of mental illness, Paul was convicted and sentenced to seven consecutive life sentences. They were mainly Michaela's parents, I think, um, definitely wanted the death penalty. They were very clear on that, but um, in the end, I think his mental health played into it a little bit, um, but even regardless of that, they were able to convict him where he will never see the light of day again. And it's, I think because of his meticulous planning, the insanity defense just didn't fly. Like he knew what he was doing. He planned everything out. He took weeks prior to Thanksgiving to plan everything and to be able like he'd packed his clothes. Like he knew exactly what he was doing. Yeah. I mean, like he said, he waited 20 years to do it. So it's not like he's, you know, like, He's the type of person that has to have every little bit planned out. Mm-hmm. So I'm well, sure he yeah, had been he working on I'm it. I'm sure he had everything in line. So Patrick Knight, who, the one who had been shot in the stomach, was in a coma for, um, he was in a medically induced coma for three months, but he survived. He had to relearn a lot of normal skills, like how to walk and talk and write and I'm sure it was a long road for him. Like, that's a really rough thing to come back from. But he is actually um, a motivational speaker now. So the Sittens, I hope that's how you pronounce their name, (laughs) Um, Jim and Muriel, their lives were left in shambles as well. After losing their only daughter, they weren't sure if they'd ever pick up the pieces of their shattered life. Both Patrick Knight and Jim and Muriel Sinton actually attempted to bring lawsuits against Paul Marriage's parents. So not only had they been the ones to invite him to the home 
which he was not welcome at. But apparently when Paul had phoned his mother, so right before he had showed up, he phoned his mom that he was coming. And she remarked to her daughter, Lisa, I hope he doesn't kill us all tonight. And then Mm. Lisa responded, I know. Lisa responded that she had had the same thought, but not to say anything to their father because it would upset him that they had such thoughts about Paul. But they were clearly 100% correct in assessing him. Like, it's eerie that they turned out to be more correct than they could have ever imagined. Both suits, lawsuits that were um, brought up against Paul marriage marriage's parents, not him, um, were dropped because the judge said that parents couldn't be held responsible for things that their adult children did. And under normal circumstances, I I understand that, but it does kind of feel like a gray area to me. I'm kind of curious, Steph, what you think, what our listeners think. I would love for you to, like, Um, they brought him into this home. Like, he wasn't invited. They invited him parents invited him and they had obviously some kind of inkling that he was very dangerous. So maybe not for, I don't know about Patrick's lawsuit, but for the um, Sittons, Jim and Muriel Sitton who lost their daughter because these people brought their insane son into their home for Thanksgiving. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I think if I was put in those shoes, I would probably try to get as much justice as I could. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I mean, it's like, can they, I don't know. They, so the parents, yes, he's an adult. He lived with them. They, they financially were responsible for him because of his mental health. So isn't it almost then like, like being responsible for a child? Yeah. I don't know. I mean, he wasn't a child. He was a 35 year old man, but. He wasn't taking care of himself. They were taking care of him. So, and they. And where the fuck did the twelve thousand dollars come from? <laughs> Seriously though, that really bothered me. I was like, how do? Where do these people get this? It's like watching HGTV, and they're like, yeah, my mom, my my wife runs a, uh, I don't know, she catches butterflies for a living, and I mow people's lawns, and our budget is two million dollars, and I'm like bitch fucking bullshit (laughs) how do you have so much money and meanwhile this guy has no job his parents financially support him and he's got 12 grand in the bank where'd that money come from that's all i'm saying where where'd the money come from paul so anyways getting back to it (laughs) after all the tragedy patrick knight is now a motivational speaker and he remarried and now has a beautiful family that includes an eight-year-old son which i thought was Awesome. Yeah. I mean, to come back from something like that and to be able to, obviously it's not the life that you've had planned, but it's makes me happy when somebody's able to forge like a new path after right. somebody destroys it, you know? And two years after the tragedy, Jim and Muriel Sitton also received some amazing news. At 50 years old, Muriel was going to have another child. Holy fuck. She, I know. Just wait. She gave birth to a daughter they named Natalia. And two years after that, they had another miracle, another daughter they named Rayla. So, so hold on. 
So at 50 years old, she I had know. one child. Okay. So uh-huh. when that child is 18, she's going to be I fucking do math. Just 68. Uh huh. Holy fuck. Well, I mean, people adopt, like your, your parents were older yeah. parents. I understand it's a different situation, but. Yeah, my dad was 81 and my mom is 73. Well, but you're 30. And I'm 31. So it's God. still not quite as high. But anyways, I'm happy that they were able to have two healthy daughters. Weird I mean, as fuck. Huh? I said it's weird as fuck. Well. I'm glad they get there happily ever after. Yes, exactly. I so. personally could not have another child at 31 years old. I I'll think 35 and I'm, this shop has been closed for many years. <laughs> but I haven't gone through this kind of tragedy either. So who knows how I would feel if it was a different situation. So after an unimaginable, an unimaginable heartbreak and loss, the Sittons had made it through all this darkness. Jim recalled hearing his wife Muriel singing Amazing Grace to their newborn daughter Natalia, which is the first one, and thinking finally that music had returned to their home and that they were going to be okay. And I know. Well, I mean, it had been over two years since um, their daughter had been murdered, and I'm sure it had been a rough patch. I know a lot of times when couples lose a child, The marriage doesn't necessarily last. Like it it makes it a lot, it tears a lot of couples apart when they lose a child. For sure. So I'm sure, and that was their only child. So it's like, there's no other, it's love holding you together. There's no other kids gluing you together. You know what I mean? Like that's a hard, that's a really hard situation. Everybody would be falling apart and there's no, like if you lose a child and you have another child, you have to keep going. So. Right. Having that be your only child is a, that's a hard, hard thing. It's even harder, I think. So the Sittons still live in the home where all of this occurred, which for me is a strange choice. Yeah, fuck that. (laughs) But, but their reasoning is that if they move from the home where this occurred, they also leave behind the place where all of their memories with their daughter Michaela were. So that's why they say they've stayed in this home. No, which nope, nope, nope. And their new, their two daughters now sleep in their older, like they know about their older sister. They sleep in their older sister's room. Nope. Burn the whole and house I, down. I don't know where I'd be at. I mean, this whole thing is a mindfuck of a situation that I'm not sure how anybody could or should react in these type of situations. Everybody reacts differently. I don't know that I would be able to go back into that house ever again, but I do kind of understand the sentiment of this is the only house they lived in with their daughter. They want to be in the place where they feel like she's there, you know, like if that's the only house she ever lived in, that's where all the fun, like fond memories with her are. I do understand that to a point, but I also don't think personally I'd ever go in that goddamn house again. So I don't know. Just burn it all down. Yeah, probably. That's probably where I'd be at. But I'm just glad that for those who survived, they seem to have forged a new life and come out okay on the other side or as okay as you can be after 
some awful tragedies like this. And, you know, more power to the Sittens for being able to have two more beautiful, healthy daughters, even in their older years. So, eh. Right. Yeah, so that is our Thanksgiving Day Massacre of 2009. Yeah, sit on that for yeah. sweet dreams, everybody. You know? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I feel like there was something else that we were going to discuss, and it's drawing a blank. So while we think of it, if you are listening, please go rate our podcast, because the more ratings that we have, the more people will see us. And if you hate our podcast, go ahead and tweet me over at crime underscore project definitely go give us a follow on instagram and i think that's it guys enjoy your turkey what's your favorite what's your go-to food stuff green bean casserole yeah i love me some green bean actually vegetables all the vegetables are like my favorite on thanksgiving because yeah casserole is definitely a good one my mom makes this like cheesy broccoli bake that has these so you crunch up Ritz crackers and like brown them with some butter and put them on top of this broccoli cheese casserole. It's freaking amazing. And then I'm a vegetable slut. So I love Brussels sprouts too. (laughs) And I'll be making Brussels sprouts for Thanksgiving. I'm not really. I saw a recipe for stuffed Brussels sprouts. That sounds good. I'll look it up and eat any vegetable. I like it vegetables are my jam I love them and not in a good like that sounds like I'm healthy no I like (laughs) so like obviously the broccoli one is definitely not healthy even though there's broccoli in it but it's so good and then like the Brussels sprouts they have I make one that's basically you cook them in bacon grease there's Uh bacon in them it's almost like a bacon alfredo uh, Brussels sprout they're so good they're so good (laughs) are you a pie girl um as long as it's not pumpkin pie Oh, I'm allergic to pumpkin, so I don't eat pumpkin pie either, but I'm yeah, not much for pie. I mean, it like apple, pecan, I can get down with that. Most I other like ones. Pie. Pecan pie is not my thing. I'm not a southern girl at all. It's I not. Like, I like nuts. <laughs> I could have told you that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. All right. Well, I hope that everybody stuffs themselves silly on Thanksgiving. Hopefully. If you're listening to us, it's not because you're hating your family and in a corner somewhere, but you know, whatever. Give your uh, racist uncle at the table hell this year, and hope everybody has an amazing Thanksgiving. Also, and that, um, <laughs> if you go out Black Friday shopping and you witness a oh. fight or some sort of crime, please record it. But stay <laughs> safe. But please record it, Aaron. <laughs> DM us no, on Twitter. No, we people to call the police, remember? Well, if there's a big crowd. Okay. It'll be Except. okay. <laughs> and also, um, even if your family makes you crazy, maybe don't shoot them at their Thanksgiving dinner. Because Thanksgiving is my favorite holiday. I am a food person, and that is such a bummer. Like, that's the best holiday. Don't ruin it by shooting up your family, guys. <laughs> yeah, not a great idea. No. And also, if your crazy brother comes unannounced, maybe get the fuck out. Just just yeah. go. Yeah. Don't stay longer. Yeah, no. Just go. <laughs> All right, guys. Enjoy your turkey day. Okay, bye, guys. <laughs>